Father, we just want to thank you this morning that as we have gathered, that Lord, here in the house and those watching online, that the word would come with accuracy this morning. That Lord, what you have laid on my heart would be a two-edged sword in our hearts. That you would divide that each person would receive a rhema word this morning, that your presence would come and settle on each one of us. We thank you for the word, your voice, your instruction. Thank you that you left the word for us and we glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So the title is The Fire, the Blood, and the Sacrifice. And God just downloaded this word into my heart. It actually could be a three-part series. There's so much that could be shared. But I want to just touch on it, and maybe we do it later on as a series. But Pastor Ryan brought a tremendous word last week on how God speaks to us. And if we remember, he spoke to us through creation. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Amen. Then secondly, it was through, um, cre it was creation. It was the word, which is a two-edged sword, accurate, alive, powerful. And then the third way was in our spirit man. He speaks into our spirit. Amen. But then God began, and we have this inner voice. I mean, the Holy Spirit is this inner voice. And I'm hoping that each one of us would hone in and get to know that voice, because many times we think, is it me or is it the Holy Spirit? And I want us to learn to hone into the voice of the Spirit that speaks deep inside of us. Amen? But I believe that there are three keys or spiritual weapons that God gives to us that are at our disposal. They are almost arsenal, like weapons of mass destruction. And we haven't tapped into that fully, I, I believe. So, I believe that we're coming out of a season of being locked in. I don't know, have you all felt like you've been slaves <laughs> for the last two years? I mean, really, we've been told where we can go, where we can't go, when we can, when we can't. Take the jab, don't take the jab, green passport. I mean, it's just been relentless trying to box us in. And the biggest thing that I see is that fellowship which is what we were created for, tried to get taken away from us. We people that need to hug. I don't know about you, but hugging and caring and touching and being together, God created us for fellowship. And that was almost stolen from us. But it reminds me of the Israelites. They were locked up for 400 years. We've only had two years. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? Two years. Okay. But God hears their cries. And he... He arrests Moses, who in a way was also locked in. He had been in the courts of Pharaoh, enjoying all the pleasures of that. But now suddenly, he is dissatisfied with what he sees. Are we dissatisfied with what we've seen? I don't say we must go kill someone, because that's what he did. But there is an enemy that we need to kill, and that we need to recognize that is trying to stop us from becoming all that God wants us to become. Amen? So if you feel like you've blown it 
and God can't use you. Moses kills a man. He goes to the back end of the desert, and there God begins to prepare him. If you feel like you're on the back end of, of the desert, just know that maybe God is busy preparing you for something great. Okay, so we, we see that the enemy has free reign. He is inhibiting, manipulating, controlling us. Amen. But we, like Moses, we need to have an encounter. And the encounter that Moses has is he's in the back end of the desert and suddenly we know the story. There's this fire. But what the word of God says in Exodus 3 verse 3, it says that when Moses turned aside and looked at the fire, and it says when God had his attention, then God spoke. Maybe we need to be turning aside. Is God trying to get your attention in some area? Turn aside. Let God get your attention. Then he says, you are standing on holy ground. When the fire of God comes and he addresses you, bow your knee. You are standing on holy ground. Let's not take the presence of God lightly. We need to be in awe of the reverence of a mighty God. And God wants to speak to us from that place of the fire. I don't believe that we can achieve that vision and that um, instruction that we have from God unless we are ignited with the fire of God. In the presence of God, Moses was changed, transformed forever. A passion was ignited in his soul. One moment in the presence of the fire of God led him to deliver a stubborn people out of slavery and shifted his destiny forever, ignited by the fire of God's presence. Do you feel like we need the fire of God? Without the fire of God, the real fire of God, we will never accomplish that in our own strength. Never. Amen. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He wants to consume us, not to destroy us, to empower us, to give the fire that we need. God puts his fire, put his fire into that bush. And I want to say you and I need to become that bush where the voice of God can speak through us to other people. Do you believe that God can do that? I want, to, I want to burn with fire for God. Amen. So for the Israelites, this presence of the fire goes with them through the 40 years in the wilderness. A fire, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. So they are used to the presence of God. But in Exodus 19 verses 17 to 20, this is what it says. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. We need to get out of our comfort zone. To meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. There is a mountain that God is calling us to stand and to see his glory, okay? Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon, the, the, upon it in the fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked. I don't know if we know the presence of God is going to be awesome in our place. I believe this place is going to be shaken. It's going to be shaken. In Jesus' name, do you believe that? It says, when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice 
Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and then the Lord called Moses to come up higher. And it says, and he went up. When we are in the presence of God, he will instruct you. He's going to say, come up higher. And then when we go up higher, that is where we're going to get instruction. Anybody excited about that? Because I tell you what, I want that. That is what I want from the Lord. I want to hear his voice. Are we ready to go to the mountain of the Lord? Can somebody say amen? Are you ready to hear his voice? I don't know about you, but I am. And are you ready to be called up higher? Amen, amen. In Acts chapter 2, we see that when they were all in one accord, and I want to say to you, that is key for us, one accord. Many families are being torn apart because of vaccines or non-vaccines or what to do or what not to do. It's caused division in families. Let's hold on to unity. Let's hold on to unity, amen? Because the Lord says, where, where there is unity, there I command my blessing." Amen. And then it goes on to say, suddenly, suddenly. Do you expect a suddenly? Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven and of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, can I say, we've, I know probably everybody has received the Holy Spirit. Some people question when they say, but I can't speak in tongues. So have I received the Spirit? I want to say to you, the gift of, the, of tongues is only one of the gifts. We should be laying hands on the sick. We should be speaking a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. Paul says we should desire the gift of prophecy. The gifts of the Spirit, of the Spirit are available to us. Tongues is beautiful. And if you haven't received the gift of tongues, ask the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Just stand like that and say, I want the gift. Because it's power. It empowers you. Amen. I'm reminded of during a worship service one day here in the church, I had something like a, a vision or a, I don't know if it was a trance that I went into, but I suddenly saw into the spirit realm, all these chairs started to ignite with little fires, like fire lighters. And I heard in my spirit, the spirit of God say, I will come, there will come a time where I will pour out my spirit on these people, this house, beloved, and a fire will start well, that will not be able to be stopped. I believe that this is the season. I actually am getting all goosebumps. This is the season. God wants to pour out his spirit on each one. It was an individual. Each chair began to ignite, ignite, because it's individually that God wants to use you and me. Amen. So we are on the brink of seeing that the fire of God will be without the fire of God we are not a threat to the dark the spirit of darkness but with the fire of God we are a battering ram we will fight 
and we will win with the fire of God. Amen. In that upper room, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, they went and turned the world upside down. Do you believe that in this house we can turn the world upside down? I believe that we can do that as the fire of God comes. If you open yourself up to this truth, beloved, the fire of God, I believe nothing is impossible. We will see demons flee. We will fight this war and we will win, not because we are great, because we have the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 5:15 says, I will make my words in your mouth a fire. When you wake up, will you ask the Lord, let my mouth be fire. When I speak, let people hear an accurate word. Let it be fire into souls. Let me pull people out of hell. Is that our mantra? I believe that's what we're supposed to be doing. Look at people from a place of lostness. Do they need Jesus? You and I have the answer. Call them out of darkness. God used a fearsome natural element to represent his spirit. Fire. The fire of God. So firstly, the fire must consume us and ignite us. Amen. The second thing, the blood has never lost its power. The blood, the blood has never lost its power, beloved. When the Israelites placed the blood on their doorposts and they ate of that lamb, they were taken out of captivity. When we take of communion and later we will take, you are being taken out of captivity. Whatever the enemy has kept you locked in, whatever the lie, whatever you, you don't believe about yourself because you doubt, communion, the blood, has never lost its power. And the blood always precedes victory. Maybe you ask the question, how do I apply this blood practically in my life? I believe there's two ways. The Word of God says every time, you, as often as you come together, take off my blood body and representation of my blood. Amen. So when you have people over for a meal, as oft before you eat and sustain the flesh, remember, remember the blood. Start to have it before you. I think when we become more aware of the covenant of the blood, we will, we will see things from a different perspective. He said, it is finished at the cross because he gave it all. He gave his blood. Amen. Take communion often. The second thing is apply the blood in the spirit realm. If you're going through some difficulties and you need some victories in your life, take some oil. You go and anoint your doorposts, anoint your windows, the gate of your home, entrances, anywhere where the enemy would like to come in. And with faith in your heart, you apply the blood and you tell the enemy, you have no access. You have no access. You may not cross over the blood line. Amen. He's allowed to look through your window, but he's not allowed to enter. When you apply the blood, we know about it, but we don't apply it. And so the enemy knows our weakness. If things are going crazy in your life, 
And I'm not saying that this takes away our burdens and takes away trials. We go through trials because we are being perfected in our trials. And who knows when you go through the fire, there's a perfection that takes place. There's a dying to self. Something dies in the fire. Amen? So I'm not saying that when you apply the blood, you know, all nuts, all roses and sunshine. Who knows that Jesus said in this world, ye shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world and I dwell in you. So therefore you are an overcomer in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So when Adam sinned and he lost the glory, he saw his nakedness, but God covers him with an innocent sacrificial animal skin. Something had to die to cover him for the glory to come back. A reflection of what Jesus was going to do. Can I say that when Jesus died, his blood, that wet skin was put on Adam, dripping. I don't think the Lord hung it out to dry and mature and all that stuff. He placed it around them wet that they could feel and then the glory came back. And Jesus, when he died, the enemy looks at us, let the blood be dripping off you. Salvation, victory, victory. The blood has never lost its power. Hebrews 9.11 says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Listen, it says, he entered the most holy place carrying his own blood. Have you thought about that? When he rose and he went to Hades, and he said, I take the keys of Hades away from you, our enemy of our soul. And the captives walked with him free into the kingdom. How? His blood went before them. You think about it, when he went to Hades and all those that were waiting for the Messiah, they saw the Messiah with his blood. They fell to their faces and they accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I don't know about you, but I believe that. And it says, and he took the captives free and they went into the presence of God, Jesus carrying his blood into the very presence of God with the captives set free from Hades. And we are going to walk in because of the blood. Aren't you happy? Can we give God praise in the house this morning? There's always sacrifice required, always. So we don't offer sacrifices of blood because Jesus has paid the price, amen? But there's always sacrifice. Sacrifice pleases God. In Genesis 8, verse 20 to 21, it says, Then Noah built, this is so beautiful, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took off every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake 
Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Imagine, in the days of Noah, things were so evil, so wicked, that God in a moment nearly just took out the whole of humanity. And those animals that came into the ark, the clean animals, seven by seven, we used to sing the animals two by two, but they came in seven by seven, the clean animals. Why? For sacrifice. And Noah had to build the altar. He had to build this altar and place that, those animals and those birds on there. And God smelt this aroma. It says in Genesis 9, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. Covenant. Amen. Which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. We are one of those perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It was a pleasing altar, a pleasing aroma. When we see the rainbow, don't think it's beautiful. Fall on your knees. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your covenant. That my sin, the sin of the world, you'll never just snuff us out again. God's grace, his covenant, and then there's Jesus. Now, we have to build sacrifices and altars. Kirk preached about it a few weeks ago, and one of them was the Word of God. I want to say to you, we're going to reiterate the importance of the Word. You, you want to know how does God speak? You want to hear this voice? The Word. Beloved, I want to encourage you. The Word is God speaking to you and me every day. When the Word of God gets planted deep inside of you, it displaces the forces of darkness. You have, with the Word of God, the ability to displace devils. You know somebody is going through demonic activity, oppression, depression, demonic oppression. You hold the key here in the Word of God, in the Word of God. It'll counsel you. It'll save your life. It'll give you direction. It'll correct us. It is the living word. It is accurate and it is alive. I heard a message yesterday and I thought I would bring it in. I have heard this before. I just think it fits in beautifully. So it's the word soap. Anybody, I taught this a few years ago. Anybody remember soap? Anybody in the house, you remember? So soaps, first of all, the word of God is soap. It washes us clean, okay? But the letter S stands for scripture. So if you don't know how to hear God's voice and you don't know how to interact with the spirit, practical, little practical nugget this morning. The S for soap stands for scripture. You open your word in an attitude of worship, in an attitude of quietness, stilling your heart. And you page through, I often go through a few books just, kind of gleaning through, suddenly something jumps at me. Then I take note. So the scripture, and I have a little journal next to your Bible, I suggest. Just write the scripture. 
Then the O stands for observation. Now I engage the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to observe in the scripture? And you wait. He's going to either convict or instruct or direct or caution. You look at the observation, write down, I feel the Holy Spirit is telling me X. Then A is application. How do I apply this word today to make it work for me? Application. And let the Holy Spirit lead you. That's how he speaks. You get this knowing in your spirit. And then P is for prayer. You cover that in prayer. Let me tell you, that is just in a few minutes, an easy apply, a way of applying, reading the word accurately and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Amen. Who knows it takes sacrifice? We can say we love the word and we love reading the word, but, you know, Betty's calling, that TV program, oh, that screen time, um, I'll read tomorrow. Anybody been there? I mean, it's not our first desire. Let's just be real here. It's called a sacrifice. We have to build this altar, have a place where you meet with God, where you set time aside. It doesn't have to be hours. That, that little exercise can take 10 minutes. But wow, can it be powerful? Because if you've heard the Spirit of God in that moment, you're carrying something with you, a, a word spoken. Many people run after prophets and they want to, but the prophet must tell me, and there is a place for that. But I want to say, the prophet should only be confirming what you already know. If God hasn't spoken to you first, he's not a God of confusion. You first receive the word and a prophet can come and say, I believe God is saying this and it'll confirm the word. Understand? And, and, but prophecy has a place. But I'm telling you, we are all prophets in essence because when you get this straight from God, it's a word that you can speak to somebody like a prophet. Amen? The second altar that we need to build is prayer. We need to build prayer. I read a book some time back of a man who had a vision of these pilgrims walking through this valley. And there was a mountain on this side and a mountain this side. Angels here, demons here. And the pilgrims are walking, carrying bags and heavy laden. And the demons just keep adding guilt, condemnation, hatred, and then the man says, he hears this voice say, if they would just open their mouths, they would be set free. But they continue being laden by these demons and the angels are waiting to be deployed. Suddenly, they begin to open their mouths and they begin to declare and they begin to speak God's word and these bags begin to fall off. Angels are deployed. They come and they lift them up and they get to where they're going. The power of the spoken word. The, the picture was that the demons were laughing. Beloved, we have the keys. We have the answers, but we don't use them. I want to speak to us that we will step out of our lethargy and our laziness and take on what God has given to us. It's our weapons for warfare. It's our weapons for warfare. Maybe you say, um, 
I don't know how to do this. I want to just go into here. I don't know how to pray effectively. Firstly, I want to say prayer is more caught than taught. Nobody can teach you how to pray. But you come to a prayer meeting and you catch it. As people are praying, you catch the spirit of prayer. I encourage you to come to prayer. We pray on a Saturday morning, 6 to 7 a.m., specifically for children. Anybody hear about Glen Vista and the manifestation of demonic activity? Anybody hear about that this last week? We were rejoicing. You know why? Because we pray in this house for our children in this area, and we expect that demons must manifest and get out. We expect that. We don't pray hoping. We pray expectant. Azuka, we pray expectant for our children that the demons will manifest because of this glory zone that we pray under in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray because we believe no demons in our, in our community are allowed to stay. So let them manifest so we can get them out and send them back to where they belong in Jesus' name. Amen. So don't become disturbed and worried. Blame us. We're chasing them out. They have no authority in Jesus' name. And then on a Thursday, we start this Thursday with our prayer meetings again, seven to, uh, 6 to 7 in the evening. It's, we keep to time, 6 to 7. Please come and pray. We pray for you. We pray for our community. We pray for cities and nations. We pray for Africa. We are serious about wanting to see change, and change will only come through prayer in Jesus' name. Now you say, how do I do this? I want to encourage you, because we make it so complicated. First of all, you're just talking like you're talking to your partner. That's how you talk to God. But what do I do now? Jesus, I'm going here. What do you want me to do here? Just ask him, okay? But the second thing is I have my book of scriptures, that I memorize and go through. Some mornings I pick up my book and I just begin to speak the word back to God. Father, your word says no weapon formed against me can prosper. Isaiah 54. You say in Hebrews, you will never leave me nor forsake me. You say that when I go through the deep waters, Isaiah 43 verse 2, you go with me. Thank you, Father. You also say that you will make the crooked path straight. Thank you that my path is straight today. Thank you that you call me a royal priesthood, peculiar. Thank you that I'm peculiar. I know I am. Yet I am chosen to speak the glories of God. Thank you. You you're getting what I'm saying? You speak the word of God back. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Psalm 17 verse 8. May I see your glory in the tabernacle. May I look upon the beauty of your face and worship you. Why? Because you say in Psalm 27 verse 5, you will keep me in the shelter of your tent. Thank you. What a privilege. May I hide under the shadow of the Almighty. You cover me with your feathers and no pestilence can come to my door. Beloved, it's the word. That's how we pray. The word will never return void. Amen. Amen. The reward for trusting the Lord shall be the salvation of your souls. Who knows that we are on our way to being saved? <laughs> that shocks you. 
When I gave my life to Jesus, I was saved. Yes, but we are on a journey of purification and we are being saved until we see Jesus face to face. There has to be fruit in our lives, beloved. We must have a passion for the lost. We must desire to build an altar where we come sacrificially. An altar is built one stone upon another stone, precept upon precept, line upon line. That's how we build the altar. And I want to say it's not easy. (laughs) That's why it's called sacrifice. And because we are living sacrifices, sometimes we kind of slide off that altar. (laughs) We don't want to be there, honestly. But we sacrifice. Dying to the flesh is what we need to do. And the last thing for this morning is all of this has to be covered in the altar of worship. And I want to say, I think this house really gets it when it comes to worship. We really just, we've gone to another level and we thank God for that. But can I encourage you, it's easy in this corporate setting to worship. Isn't it gorgeous when we just feel the presence of God coming and we can really just feel His, the atmosphere. But we have to build an altar of worship in our homes. And the key, can I tell you, it's built here. This is the place of worship, your heart. If you don't start here, it's superficial. This is the place of worship. When you bring your heart and you allow God just to mold one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 64 verse 8, you are my father, you are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, make me. Do we really mean that? Mold me. Molding means there's some squeezing and twisting and shaping and chipping away. But worship starts in the heart. When we begin to worship from this place, we bring honor to God. And prayer and reading the word has to be covered in worship. In Jesus' name. So we're going to go into a time of worship. And I want to thank you if the worship team can come forward. Isaiah chapter 6 says that Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. The, The train of his robe fills the temple. And he hears the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. And in that moment, he says, I am undone. I'm unclean. When we come into the presence of God, he shows us what we need to shift. He's beautiful in that way. He comes, he says, that anger, that quick tongue, that judging, those things that hurt the Spirit of God, He puts his finger on it. And Isaiah says, I'm undone, for I'm a wicked man with unclean lips. And in that moment, he is cleansed. And then the Lord says, whom shall I send to my people? And immediately, Isaiah says, send me. Can I say, 
that when your hearts are being molded after the heart of God, He doesn't just want this to stay like this. I know it's cozy and we love the intimacy. God's heart is for those out there that need Him. And we need to begin to have a heart for the ugly, those that are not nice. We need to start having compassion, beloved, to bring in those that are going to eternity without Christ. If you love Jesus, my call today to each one of us, we can't be comfortable where we are. We can't stay where we are and say that you love Jesus. That scripture that says in 1 John 4, 20, I believe it is, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you are a liar. Imagine God telling you that. Because it says, if you don't love the one that you can see, how can you love God who you have not seen? We need to love the unlovely. We need to have a heart that breaks for those that will never see Christ unless you and I do something about it. And so I want to say as an encouragement this morning, we can't do it in our own strength. It's the fire of God. The fire of God. We need to ask, Holy Spirit, I want the fire I want, because when you have the fire, Moses could go and speak to Pharaoh, let my people go. We will have the authority to say to the enemy, let the people of God go. Because we all got to be children of God. God called them just like he called you and me, even those that don't know him yet. Let the fire of God consume us, ignite us. And cause us to call in the unsaved. The times of being scared, how do I do this? I don't know. Just tell them your testimony. Just tell them how you found Jesus and how much you love him and what he's doing for you. Your zeal will get them on fire in Jesus' name. And then cover everything in prayer. Read the word. Let the word speak to you. Please come and share stories of how God is speaking to you through the word by the soap of God's word. Amen. And so as we go into time of worship, would you just, we have elements, sorry, it's not the sealed one. So we're asking everybody to keep their masks on when you come to the four stations and just sanitize your hands. And at your leisure, as you feel during worship, you come and take, you can come and kneel at the altar. You can kneel down at your chair or sit, or stand, dance, whatever you want to do. But rejoice as you hold the covenant, the blood covenant, that gives you the right and free access into the presence of God today. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Father, we want to worship you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the fire must become our desire. Ignite us, Father. Ignite us. I want the congregation to stand, please. For a few moments, won't you open your mouths and just say, I want the fire of God. Please ignite me, Lord. I want fire.
I want the fire of God to come. I want you to consume me with fire. Give me boldness. Help me to get out of my comfort zone. Let me see those that are going to fire of hell and be consumed with compassion for them. In Jesus' name, Father, give us a zeal for your word. Ask the Lord, Father, help me. Help me to tap into the treasures in the word of God. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you that your presence is our portion as we enter into worship this morning with clean hands and pure heart Lord would you shift us we want to see your glory do you want to see God's glory invite the Holy Spirit right now come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit dove of God come invite him invite him he wants to be welcome oh precious spirit of the most high come this morning. We long for your presence. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.